You're listening to the Writers Forum. I'm your host, Mike Toos, and today I'll be speaking with author Tracy Clark about her new book titled Hyde, a Detective Harriet Foster Thriller. Ms. Clark is a two-time Sue Grafton Memorial Award-winning author of the highly acclaimed Chicago Mystery Series. She's also received the Anthony Award and the Lefty Award nominations for her series debut titled Broken Places. And... She has received other awards for her writings. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Hi, Mike. Uh, Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, you have written numerous mystery or crime novels. What is it about that genre that drew you in, you know, that made you want to write such stories? Well, I don't know. I think I sort of started out with movies, old movies. I used to watch with my mom and grandmother, those black and whites, The Thin Man, Sherlock Holmes things like that. So I sort of got in the sort of frame of, you know, PI cases and investigative things. And then when I sort of got into the idea that maybe uh, I might want to sort of be a writer and was looking around for a genre, and that seemed to sort of be a natural sort of a thing, a crime, uh, investigative uh, cases, uh, like The Thin Man and Sherlock Holmes. And so I started sort of reading those kinds of books. I started off with uh, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew, and that sort of progressed to Agatha Christie, and then all of the mystery uh, novels that sort of I found in the bookstore, the library. And so, you know, when I started writing and figuring out stories that I wanted to tell, I sort of gravitated towards crime, Um, specifically uh, P.I. novels, because those are the kinds of things that I sort of enjoyed watching and reading. And so that's what I sort of tried to sort of uh, start out doing. Okay. So, you know, sort of teaching myself how to write. Crime sort of this genre seemed to be the sort of area that I needed to go in. And then the subgenre, the PI, the sort of uh, the gumshoe sort of a character, I sort of played around with that. So that's sort of where I sort of got my entry point. And then that's where I sort of stayed in that sort of track. And now it's sort of shifted over to the cop side of things. So it's still crime, um, but it's sort of in a different area. Well, you know, every genre has its own challenges. What mm-hmm. are some of the challenges in writing a mystery or a crime novel like Hyde uh, that, that may be different from other genres? Well, police procedurals are sort of limiting, I found, because I've coming, I'm coming from the P.I. side of it, right? So my P.I. is sort of, you know, jumping through people's window and picking locks and doing all kinds of things that it maybe might be sort of shading the law a little bit. Um, Harriet Foster is the law. And she's got to follow the law. So I'm sort of finding her character, sort of writing it coming from that sort of loosey-goosey side of it, sort of limiting. So now she's got to have a warrant. I know she can't sort of go into, bust into somebody's house or apartment. Um, She's got to sort of follow the thing. So um, it's sort of limiting, but I'm sort of in those limits. There are sort of interesting sort of things that I can sort of work with. So that's what I sort of uh, had fun with, with Hyde, um, sort of, pulling myself back from this sort of loosey-goosey side of it, um, paying attention to what the law says and what cops are actually allowed to do, uh, and then finding sort of the challenge and the engaging thing in that. So that's been sort of an exercise for me. I'm sort of continuing it with the second book, too. So, you know, it's a different kind of a side of it, and it's all good. It's sort of learning it and sort of finding out what's good about it. Yeah, well, I want to get into the details about some of the police work that's in the novel, but let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. When I interviewed uh, Davis, David Ellis, who has co-authored some books with James Patterson, uh, he surprised me by saying Patterson outlines every chapter before he actually begins the writing process. When you were writing Hyde, did you do outlining or did you just start with a character idea? 
How did you go about that? Well, I'm not an outliner. They call us the pantsers, those people who sort of fly by the seat of their pants. So <laughs> you know, my process starts with the blank page. Um, most of my stuff is character-driven as opposed to plot-driven. So I start with a character. I started with Harriet. And then my thing was to sort of find a case for her that she can sort of sink her teeth into. And then I just sort of plod myself along, uh, page by page, uh, paragraph by paragraph. And then when I get stuck, and I get stuck often, uh, I have to sort of step back and sort of figure out where I went wrong and then start again. So Panthers have no plan. <laughs> We're sort of weird <laughs> that way. Uh, but that's how my brain works, and that's how I have to do it. Uh, I tried outlining um, but somewhere in my brain it says, when I sort of get that outline there, that I'm done with the book, you've written it, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end, uh, you're done. Uh, and, of course, you haven't even started. You haven't written anything. Um, so, you know, I just sort of go and as far as I can go, as fast as I can go, and then if I get stuck, I stop and, and start again. So that's my process. It's crazy. Uh, it's probably not the easiest way to write a book, uh, but that's the way I have to do it. Well, it works very well with Hyde. Let me ask you this. Writers often tell me, though, that if they create good characters, and this always sounds strange to listeners, that the characters actually help write the story. Did you find that to be true in the novel Hyde with Detective Foster? Yeah, I think the, most, the more you know about your character, they sort of lead you through it. Um, you're listening to their voice. Um, and the great thing about uh, crime novels, police procedurals, PI novels, whatever, they sort of follow a linear line, right? Um, there's a case, uh, there are leads you have to follow step by step by step. So that sort of gives you a sort of an, uh, sort of an outline without having one. Uh, but it starts with the character. Harriet has a problem in Hyde, and she's got to figure it out. And she goes step by step, lead by lead, little breadcrumb by breadcrumb, um, so that helps me, as the panther that I am, to sort of get through in a linear sort of a way uh, without actually having a plan. So she does a logical thing. Uh, this clue presents itself, this lead. What's she going to do about it? Is she going to go left or right? Uh, but she has that sort of path to go by. So that helps me as a writer. I think it also helps the reader, too, because you sort of see this thing sort of unfolding step by step, which is always sort of fun to sort of, you know, plot it that way. Um, so it's great. Yeah. Well, so have you had occasion, for example, whether in Hyde or one of your other novels, where you write a paragraph or a chapter or whatever about a character, and then mm-hmm. at some point you say, eh, you know what, that, that's not consistent with that character. Let me change it. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I'm doing that all the time, and I think most writers do. Um, you sort of write something that sort of fits, sort of fits, uh, but it doesn't feel right. And it doesn't feel right yeah. for the story. It doesn't feel right for the character. And then, of course, you know, you have the option, luckily, of going back and fixing it. Okay. So that's great, yeah. yeah. All right. So in your stories, the lead character in Hyde, it's, it's Detective Foster, Harriet Foster. She's mm-hmm. dealing with some personal issues in addition to what she must do as a police officer or a, a detective. Mm-hmm. Is that important for you to have characters that have personal issues or flaws, if you will? It absolutely is. Um, my job my job as a writer is to sort of make this thing as complicated for my characters as I can possibly make it. And I like characters that have something that they've got to grapple with, not just the professional side of it, not just the case, uh, but on a personal level, something that they've got to get over, something they've got to get past, something they've got to sort of deal with. They've got a monkey on their back, and it's, I, it's interesting to then see 
how they sort of get over this thing, whatever it is, whatever I've given them, whatever problem, whatever baggage, whatever weight, um, how are they going to deal, deal with that? Are they going to sort of rise or fall? Are they going to deal with it or not? In addition to that, she's looking for a serial killer. You know, so my job is to sort of complicate it as much as I can, pile as much as I can on her, and then see what happens. Uh, it's like sort of steeping tea. You know, what is going to happen to this, this mug of tea? Is it going to be really strong and powerful, or is it going to weaken and die? And that's the challenge for Harriet. Is she going to rise above and get all this stuff done that she has to do, get herself over this major hurdle that I've given her, or is she going to sort of falter? And it's interesting for the writer to sort of figure that out and also for the reader, I think, to sort of follow along to see what happened. Yeah, I think it gives, I've read the book and really enjoyed it. It gives it kind of a universal theme that people can identify with, even mm-hmm. though they're not a police officer or a detective right. or whatever. All right, so let me ask you this. Talking about some of the police work in the book, mm-hmm. at one point, Detective Foster is questioning a potential suspect. And you write that Foster knew to stay silent until the suspect's voice went from, quote, confident to frightened, close quote. And then at another mm-hmm. point, I had never heard of this, you talk about a car being sprayed with reflective paint so it could be followed. Mm-hmm. In reference to these details you provide in the book on police work, how did you learn about this? Well, luckily, I've got cops in my family, so sort of when I get stuck and I need some details, some information of what a cop would do, I can have that resource to sort of text or call and see what would you do in this situation? Uh, have you had an interesting case like this? Um, what do you do in the interrogation room when this happens as opposed to that? You know, so I have some details that I can sort of play upon, and the rest of, is imagination. Um, Harriet is sort of an insulated character, and she looks and sort of studies more than she speaks. And so when she's in that interrogation room, she is looking for signals, uh, things that are said, but also things that are not said. So that's just a part of her characterization. Uh, The reflective paint, I just sort of came across that uh, item somewhere in a newspaper or magazine or somewhere, and I said, ah, wouldn't that be an interesting thing to sort of include in this particular case and sort of get me to the next spot? So some things are lucky accidents. Uh, some things I've sort of actually sort of looked into and wonder what would happen in this situation and then find the information that sort of backs that up or just find out what they do. And then I sort of incorporate all of that. So, you know, some of it is a research sort of, uh, a lot of it is lucky accidents sort of. And then I just sort of, you know, put it all in the big pot and make a great stew out of it. Well, it's all believable. And, and I think it really does lend an air of realism to it. Now, in the book, you know, Harriet eventually realizes she's dealing with serial murderer. Um, and you give the murderer a, a uh, signature, if you will, using lipstick. When, when you're writing a book about a serial murder like that, are you doing any research, or is this all fictional in, in your head? Um, it's all fictional in my head. I didn't do a lot of, I didn't do any research on serial killers, really. I mean, I just sort of looked into the head of the bad guy, right? Right. And sort of find out what they want, what they need, what they're looking for. And that sort of leads you through. Um, you sort of get into the head really, really hard. What do they want? What do they need? What, who's stopping them from getting it? Um, you know, what, how far will they go? Um, what kind of psychopathy are we talking about? Um, so I'm sort of getting into the head of that person, and then that stuff sort of comes to me. You know, it's just imagination okay. and, and sort of playing around with it and being creative as you possibly can. 
Um, this is my first serial killer uh, book, so it was fun for me to sort of get to see how bad I could get. <laughs> <laughs> how well, creepy and bad can I possibly get? Well, it works. It works. All right, so <laughs> besides Detective Foster, you have a less-than-appealing character in Detective Lonergan, who she ends mm-hmm. up having to pair up with for a while, and he has mm-hmm. some rather clear misogynistic leanings. Um, mm-hmm. What, as a writer, as you're writing this story, what purpose do you think he serves in the story? Well, every protagonist has got to have some kind of conflict and tension, sort of uh, opposite them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Harriet has the bad guy that she's chasing, but she's also got these sort of internal uh, conflicts and tensions that she's got to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So she comes into a new station, a uh, new gig, a uh, new boss, new team, and right off the bat, she's sort of confronted with this sort of old-school cop uh, who sort of thinks that's a good thing. Uh, he's been in the on the force 30-some years. He's close to retirement. He sees the department in a certain way, and now here comes this 43-year-old black woman um, who's sort of thinking a different way, and she's paired with him. And I wanted that sort of, you know, oil and water sort of a relationship and to see what that would bring out of both Lonergan and also Harriet. Um, How are they going to sort of deal with this? And that's going to be an ongoing conflict, uh, not just in the first book, but also in the second that's coming. Um, are they going to learn how to sort of work together and sort of coexist together? Because, you know, and then I thought maybe, well, there could not possibly be a cop this sort of combative in the Chicago Police Department. And so I asked, I mean, have you ever worked with somebody like this? And all the cops that I talked to said, I know exactly who that person is. I've I've worked with him before. And he was, you know, a real, you know, a real pain. Exactly. So, I didn't go too far. I thought I had. I didn't. And so I think I'm on safe ground there. Well, you know, it was interesting to me because I, I, I saw the tension between the two of them in the book, and it works really well. Um, but I was curious from the writing standpoint, where is the line between taking a character like that and giving these mm-hmm. characteristics and them not becoming a caricature? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's important because you can't leave it there. Uh, just because he's sort of a fly in the ointment, and combat it to her, there's got to be something in there that she's going to have to sort of find common ground with. And I think I sort of pursue that a little bit more in the second book. Uh, the first book, he's just a pain in the ass. Uh, okay, he just is. Uh, second book, um, she's going to have to see him in a different light, and he's going to have to do the same for her. And what? so as this, this series progresses, um, we're going to learn a lot about Lonergan and where he's coming from and how Harriet is going to find some sort of humanity in him that she can sort of connect with. You know, it's interesting you say that, because that part of what I wondered as I read about Lonergan and what he does mm-hmm. in that is there's got to be a backstory here. So this is yep. great, because it's going to show up. Mm-hmm. And towards the end, he does have a little bit of redemption in the mm-hmm. book. All right, so let yeah. me ask you this. So well, Characters have to change, so yeah. you can't leave them here. Yeah, so there are some family secrets that become relevant in the story as it relates to two of the other characters, Amelia and her brother Bodie. Mm-hmm. When I was reading it, now, this is a psychological question, but it seems relevant in the context of a, of a crime novel. When I was reading it, I was wondering about the question of whether family secrets get passed on from generation to generation and how they affect us. Is that anything you were thinking about as you created these characters? Absolutely. Um, you cannot have a traumatized childhood without ripples. Mm-hmm. Um, that has to go somewhere. Um, these characters have sort of come from a sort of a weird setup 
And then they've sort of put out in the world, and then you expect them to sort of be normal, mal- I mean, well-adjusted people. Uh, that just does not happen. Um, and so uh, you have to sort of follow that back, the backstory, and sort of find out what formed them and how that may or may not sort of uh, ripple through and what they carry forward, what they are allowed to or able to sort of push aside, and all of that sort of turmoil, that sort of uncertainty uh, is sort of what sort of is the foundation for those characters. Um, This is not normal behavior, right? And so normal behavior cannot stem from that. Well, it worked really interesting for me because it was realistic. I kept wondering what the next little tidbit would be about that. Now, Mm -hmm. this is relevant also to that because I have to say you had me guessing throughout on who Mm -hmm. might be the killer, okay? And so I wonder how, as, as a writer of these types of novels, how do you go about selecting the clues that appear to link a suspect to the killer, but in the end they don't? In other words, how do you keep me guessing? Mm-hmm. Um, well, since I don't outline, I sort of normally move past those points where you would sort of put a, a lead in or a clue in, and then I have to go back. Um, as I write and sort of figure out what the story is going to be about, who the characters are, and what they're motivated to do. Uh, I can always sort of go back and sort of plant those little things. Um, and so I plant them in the most, uh, you know, weird places, but places where I think the reader may not pay attention to them, uh, which is always fun for me. Uh, it's Ultimately, a crime novel is a puzzle, right? It's a, yeah, it's a yeah, mystery. Yeah. And so my job is to sort of uh, fool you. And so I will put it in a spot where I think you're not paying attention, and hopefully you aren't, and then you'll get mad at the end and say, I didn't tell you, but you can sort of, <laughs> you can sort of go back a couple of pages, and you'll find it. Uh, so you'll find the thing where I sort of buried it somewhere, uh, but it's important, and you just sort of glossed over it. That's the that's fun part of this. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about Detective Foster. All right. Mm-hmm. Was it important to you that she was a woman of color? Absolutely. Um, when I first envisioned myself as being a writer, one of the great motivations for me was to sort of write myself on the page. Uh-huh. Uh, I was reading plenty of mysteries and plenty of crime novels, and not a lot of them had um, protagonists who were of color, uh, protagonists who were female, sort of, sort of solving the problem, fixing the case, you know, being the hero. So when I sort of started out and wanted to write, and I sort of decided crime was going to be it, and PI fiction and police procedures was going to be it. I wanted a female African-American character to be my lead, to be my main character, to be my hero. Okay. And, and race becomes a subtext in the story when an early suspect, I believe his name is Ainsley, who is African-American, um, is potentially one of the killers or the killer. And mm-hmm. why is that a problem? And it comes clearly in the, in the book. Why is that a problem for Detective Foster? Well, let's see. Here's the thing. Harriet Foster is a female African-American in a department that is, I would say, maybe 85% not her. Right. Um, So she's coming into a department that is primarily male, primarily white, um, and it's a militarized department, a a conglomeration, a group. Mm -hmm. So, see, this is not her, okay, this is not her thing. Mm -hmm. This is not her area. So she's coming into this department, this, this Chicago Police Department, and these people are looking at it, at these crimes in a certain way. She's coming in from a different perspective, seeing it a little differently. And I think I sort of give you that sort of uh, 
play in the first couple of chapters where you know, in her community, she is sort of looked at as the enemy. Um, in her department, she's sort of looked at as the outsider. And she's got to sort of sort of fill all of these buckets and get her job done and do it as uh, sub- uh, objectively as she can possibly do it. Alana is looking at the black kid as, ah, he's the suspect because, you know, he's sort of trained and sort of got his eye going that way. And she's looking at it as a more objective sort of a thing. You know, we don't know that yet. Let's just take a little time, figure these things out. Maybe we'll find that the answer is somewhere else. You know, but that, again, is that tension, that conflict, uh, that per- the change of perspective um, that she has to sort of fight against. So I wanted that tension. I wanted that agitation. I wanted that sort of race component because in all police departments anywhere, not just Chicago, there is that sort of play. Yeah. And so in order to write crime fiction, uh, realistically, you sort of have to sort of at least touch on those things. If you don't, then it's inauspicious. I mean, it's just it's just inauthentic. Um, it just doesn't ring true. Um, so race is a part of it. Uh, class is a part of it. Um, it's just it there. It's just there in the in the brick. Well, it's part of the multi layers that you have created yeah. in the book. Well, let me ask you this more philosophical question that, that I sometimes ask in other genres, but let me just ask it here. In today's mm-hmm. environment, with book bannings and all the other stuff, nonsense that's going on, sorry, mm-hmm. um, do you ever feel constrained about what you can write in your books? I don't, no. Um, I write the story I want to write. Um, I write it as truthfully as I can possibly write it in terms of who the characters are and what the story is. Um, after I'm done, I will sort of step back and read it through again uh, to see whether or not I'm being truthful. That's the only thing for me, whether or okay. not it rings true, whether or not it says something that needs to be said. I'm, it's not like I'm writing a thesis or anything like that. But if I'm writing about a specific thing uh, in a specific city, in a specific department, then it has to be truthful or at least ring true or at least sort of touch on the things that these officers have to deal with. Uh, if I sort of do that, then I'm satisfied. Um, I don't worry about whether this reader is going to sort of be offended or this reader is going to take it a different way. Um, this is the story that I that I wrote. Uh, these are the characters that I wrote it about, and, and that's where I'm going to leave it. Okay. Well, one of the interesting aspects of the book, at least to me, was the fact that there is a character um, who is an artist and paints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And painting and art is also one of the ways that the killer sees what they do, right? Where did that idea come from? That seemed really unique to me, and it really worked well in the book. Are, um, are you are you a painter, for example? <laughs> I am not. No. <laughs> okay. I am a I am a mystery writer who needs a, a a plot, and needs some characters to have some kind of uniqueness about them. And so, as I was sort of creating these characters, I'm looking for always uh, things that sort of bring their characterization out, uh, their personalities out and sort of give this character, whoever it is, some kind of a unique twist uh, that's going to sort of engage the reader. So uh, in this case, uh, since I don't have an outline, when I got to that point, uh, that was the the spark of the idea that came to me, and I just went with it. Um, There was no plan. Uh, I wasn't sort of trying to say anything with that particular element. It was just there when I needed it, and I used it. Well, again, it's one of those things as you're reading the book, and I'm talking to the listeners now, that kind of hits you all of a sudden, and you, you're wondering where this goes, and it fits really neatly with the book. 
Well, let me let me end with this, if I might. And, and and there's so much more we could talk about in the plot line and that, but I don't want to give anything away. So some authors will tell me that they write to make a social point or a political point. Some tell me that they write just for themselves. And a few will tell me they do it for the money. What mm-hmm. what motivates you to write? I like characters. I like finding out who people are, even if they're people that I create. Uh, I just sort of like to know how people live, how people get over, how people survive. Uh, and when I write these characters, I get really invested in who they are, um, what they're after, um, what is out there that's preventing them from being completely satisfied with their lot in life, um, what tensions they are up against, you know, and still how they sort of manage to sort of get through. So that's for me is it. Uh, I'm a character-driven writer. Uh, my books are character-driven. Um, they're crime novels, but I'm mostly concerned with who the people are and what they're going to do and who, where they're going to go and how they're going to survive and whether or not they're going to get what they need. Harriet um, is sort of in a weird place. Um, she's not quite sure that she's up for the challenge of doing whatever it is she has to do. And I'm interested in sort of invested in whether or not she's going to get better. Um, because when we read, sort of meet her in the first book, um, she's at a really low point. Um, and she can go either way. And I want to sort of stick in there to see whether or not she gets, you know, gets what she needs. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I don't know how other mystery writers do it. Um, I'm not concerned about the, you know, the, you know, the money and all the rest of that. I'm looking for truth. I'm well, looking for per- personality. I'm looking for character. All right. So let me ask you this. Uh, do you learn about, as you invest yourself in these characters and you come mm-hmm. up with their psychology and their ethics and those types of things, do you learn about yourself in that process? I think you do. I think by sort of, un- you know, un- unveiling their sort of uh, malfunction, whatever it is, you learn a little bit about yourself, I think, as a human being. I think I, it would be crazy if I didn't. I mean, you sort of learn as you go through. As Harriet's going through, I sort of kind of learn or teach myself how I might be able to get over the, some of the stuff that I'm going through. I mean, we're human yeah. beings. Yeah. And yeah. that's the fun part of this. It really is sort of unveil this humanness, this humanity, this this sort of struggle. And and this is going to be a series, right? Yep. Uh, second book in the series is entitled Fall, and I think that comes out uh, late December. Um, okay. So all we'll right. see what happens to Harriet and Lonergan and all the rest of the team and see what case they have to sort of uh, uncover, and it's all good. All right. Well, the book, folks, the book is called Hide by Tracy Clark. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to the Writers' Forum, and I've been speaking with author Tracy Clark about her new novel, Hide, a Detective Harriet Foster thriller. Tracy, is there a website or other social media site that people can go to to find out about you, about your other books, and also about Hide? Yeah, uh, readers can check me out at uh, tracyclarkbooks.com, and all my information is up there, and you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook, and I'm out there sort of uh, having a good time. Tracy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Mike.